So it was just like a bunch of us chilling and talking about fun stuff about all our things. Fair enough. Sounds fun. I didn't, I'm surprised that Metaplex would be hosting that. I thought they'd be hosting something about PNFTs or something. Back to <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's uh it was called celebrating women's history month um and it was just like you know five six of us as guests vibing so uh, yeah that's what i was doing just now yeah i just like i had to go running because i'm training for a semi-marathon and then i was like i get home and it's in 10 minutes and i'm like wait a minute after this the grocery store will be closed and i have no food tonight <laughs> oh shit so i was like i'm gonna go run and we'll make it back it'll be fine but yeah okay well i'm glad you're putting food as a priority very important <laughs> i mean yeah so um well, let's get straight into it yeah for sure i think i just i, I think i wanted to start with like the jambo mambo land the ruse and like web3 yeah. so i think the easiest way to start is kind of like presenting what Jambo is and kind of the history, how you came up with it and how you got into it. Yeah, sure. Um, so Runaverse, which used to be called Jambo Mambo, um, for anyone who was like an OG in the space, <laughs> I feel like it's a project everybody minted at the time. Uh, we really are just a game. We're a game about cute animals killing each other. Um, I think that's the best description I can give of it. So... If I need to go deeper, free-to-play mobile game, very accessible, and um, all blockchain features, including any uses of NFTs or digital collectibles, are completely optional. Um, so, yeah, that's basically what Runiverse is. Um, it, I am the co-founder and creative director. I have three other co-founders, and the team ranges anywhere from 20 to 30 people Depending on the faces, uh, most of those are, of course, game engineers. And uh, yeah, I mean, Runiverse, my passion is, of course, the aesthetic of it, the world building of it, how people feel when they look at it, when they interact with it, um, you know, when they jump into the game, when they look at the marketing materials. It has to be immersive and cute and fun and funny so that's basically what I put a lot of my focus on when I'm not working on you know communications or art and the way that it came about is I I really think it was inspired by a rescue puppy that I had um, just a little white dog although jumbos or ruse are not dogs We've, we've made this, this establishment very, very early on. They're not dogs, but they are inspired by this one rescue dog. And then that's how the whole character came about. The fact that they're so resourceful, they can make weapons out of any other like stupid object. Um, the fact that they're a little bit aggressive, they're a little bit clumsy, you know. So I I think I drew like one of the first concept arts of the Rue character and then I showed it to my co-founders and then that's when we decided, you know, we're going to put this together. We're going to bootstrap this. This was back in 2021. And then, yeah, once we open it up for the community, I think like the rest is history and we're here now. 2023, raising our second funding round with our alpha game already out. 
that's gonna that's gotta be exciting to have that like second raise, right? Yeah. Just in, like a long way here, right? Yeah, it's stressful now because of the market, but you know we're yeah. we're doing it, we're doing things. I mean, regardless of the market, you kind of have to move forward. How did you how did you meet the like three founders? Are they like IRL friends, and why did you choose to do it? Because you mentioned that you don't really need, you can like opt out of blockchain tech. Why would you do it on blockchain tech then? What was the motivating factor for that? Um, okay, well, I'll answer the stuff about the blockchain first. The blockchain features for Runiverse are optional because we think that Web3 features for for gaming is going to be the future of gaming. Like, we really like the fact that it enables some pretty fucking cool perks for for a a premium layer for players, you know? So you can play the game free to play, but once you you step into um, that premium layer, which is interacting with digital collectibles, you know, when you start to collect these assets that we think are valuable or that you think are valuable, you know, characters, weapons, gears, uh, even land plots, that's when you get access to a bunch of super cool stuff and some of it will help you, you know, like create and, and make money or, you know, um, be able to gain exclusivity in certain certain things. So we think that's really, really cool. Um, the way that it works in Runiverse, it's extremely accessible. Um, you're able to download the game, play it as a free to player. Um, and then if you have digital collectibles, you're able to, of course, the obvious one is trade them. You can now like, adopt a really plain rue you know level it up like a like pimp it out um and then sell it or you can you know have permanent lending license in rue daycare which lets you of course have other people play with your rue and then you can get like really good rare items like blueprints and incubators and runium which is our hard currency back as well um if you are working on land plots if you are creating a custom map of your own on a digital collectible land plot, you're able to put in a little bit of runium so that you can publish it. And then every time people play with it, you get you get runium back. So it's, it's stuff like that. You can also spend a little bit of runium to bring new digital collectibles or, you know, pretty much NFTs into the ecosystem in, in the form of toys and stuff. So we have a, a player-driven economy where we'll never have a case where the team releases like a toy or gear or any other equipable item and set the price for it. We're going to always release those as blueprints and the players are always going to have to spend a little bit of runium to craft them using other crafting materials that are off-chain. So I think we've done a really good job so far mixing and matching on-chain and off-chain assets to be able to make an experience that's like really accessible. And for people who want to like unlock their wallet, which like we don't even call wallets. It's just like the on-chain inventory. Um, for people who want to unlock their wallet, go from free-to-play to, play to uh, Web3, basically, you can do it via like just a flat fee on your credit card or even a microtransaction. Um, and there's no gas. There's no need to have, uh, like to set up a crypto wallet and have tokens and stuff like that to be able to interact with the with the digital collectibles. So yeah, that's 
like a long answer about about the the premium layer for Runiverse and why we're using the blockchain upsides. And in terms of how we met, we are definitely friends in real life. I have, like I said, three co-founders. So they're Herman, who's also known as JPEG Maxi on Twitter. Um, there is James Finley, and then there's James Chung. So um, James Finley and JPEG Maxi are our co-CEOs. James Finley is our game director. Um, he is the one leading the charge with all of the engineers, whereas I'm on the outside. So that's how we work together. Um, we make most of the decisions together, as long as they're not departmental. So James Finley, is he used to be the tech director at Unity Studios. Um, he's also the owner and CEO at Broken Circle Studios, which XP Foundry, the company that makes Runiverse, is the Web3 arm of. And they've uh, Broken Circle Studios has shipped like 120 or so titles together. And the reason that we are sticking with our engineers and not going for, uh, I mean, our engineers in LA are not going for um, a different team, say in Southeast Asia or somewhere else, is because our engineers have been working together for like over 13 years. So they're super bonded. It's really, really easy for us to basically get shit done. And that's one of my main convictions for other teams is I, I look at how long the team has actually been shipping stuff together. Um, I think that really helps me, you know, when I'm trying to make a decision to see, okay, do I, do I want to, you know, put my money and my faith in another team? Anyway, so then I'll head on to James Chung, who I have known since 2000 and maybe 2017, probably. Um, I met him while I met him through a, a co-worker while I was doing IP distribution and purchase. So I met him in Korea and he is Korean too. He's like, uh, he's like the dad of the team. He's a veteran in, in game making and he's our executive producer at, at Runiverse. So James Chung uh, was in the original Call of Duty team with Infinity Ward. So he shipped the first two and a half Call of Duties. And then he went on to be the art director at Electronic Arts. Um, and then he went on to like Sony, Oculus and stuff. Uh, he was in VR for quite a while. And then, yeah, now he's here with me. And then, of course, the last one is JPEG Maxi or Herman. He's our blockchain native. He was in crypto since I think when Bitcoin was like 300 bucks. So he's a huge game theory Maxi due to his uh, 10-year career in professional poker playing. Um, and yeah, he, I think he, he and I, we helped launch a few pretty cool projects back in 2015, uh, includes like engine coin and one chain, you know, during the, during the ICO hype. So that was fun. That was also my entry into crypto and yeah. So JPEG Maxi does like a lot of the operations so that the rest of us can do fun stuff. And so, yeah, I've, I've known JPEG Maxi since like 2015 as well. So our, our team, I think, is one of the few that have known each other for a really, really long time. So, yeah, <laughs> we're friends in real life is, is, the, is the summary. Uh, that's cool. That's, I mean, does it, do you ever have like problems in the light of having both a professional and a more like personal like friendship relationship? 
or does it always run smoothly? No, it runs really smoothly. I think all of us are super used to being friends with our co-founders. I, I'm I'm very careful with you know, of course, who I who I work with, and these people have proven to me, you know, especially JPEG Maxi, who's who I've known for the longest, that they have you know impeccable work ethic. Um, just really, really good with people. That's one of the main things that I need, like that they need to be able to manage themselves and also their team in a very proficient way, in a very um, empathetic way as well. And so, yeah, I mean, and everybody's just so talented, you know, all the way down to our team members, even our casual workers. I think it's because of the way that we like lead that we're able to inspire some pretty cool stuff from, from everybody working in Runiverse. And the community also. I think it, it just spreads. Yeah, I, I get that. I think you're mentioning community, and I, I wanted to ask a question related to like the Web3, Web2 separation, because obviously you have the elements from both. But you kind of, and correct me if I'm wrong, you build that community through the NFTs in Web3. And so you've got to have like a pretty strong like Web3 community and like, I imagine that most of your player base is probably from Web3. Is there, yeah, yeah how do you go from there to Web2? Because there are like those gamers that don't like NFTs. And obviously, if you don't promote the NFTs, you're fine with that, right? But how do you kind of, I want to use the word bridge, even though that's overused. <laughs> yeah, so. totally. Uh, super, super clean, super easy answer for you, I think. Um, we did build our core community with the Web3, we do believe that going forward, when the game does launch, which is like in a while, right? This is a journey. Um, that's going to be what, like 90 plus plus percent of just Web2 players and less than 10% of Web3 players. And we very deliberately made um, a loyal and enthusiastic and super cool community in Web3 because those are are going to be our biggest believers and our, our best friends on this journey. They are like beacons of voices. So they're already here for the, for the Web3 technologies. They're already here for the Web3 features. They know what it's like to be in such a community and to, to push it, um, whether it be they're pushing their bags or they just want to, you know, vibe and um, push the game itself, which I think the majority of Runiverse is. Um, so from here, this is when I say we build outwards. So I, I never say we build forward or upwards. I say outwards because that's literally what it is. Like we expand into Web2. And apart from this, we just launch like any other Web2 games, collaborations, partnerships, uh, a lot of user acquisition. Uh, we are a mobile game. So we're on iOS, Android. We have crossplay on PC and Mac. And the game is very much uh hyper casual so it's, it's casual to a mid-core audience and so i think after this it just really depends on how we're able to build the game to be fun for just everybody in general and we don't even use the word nfts in the game it's just, it's literally just like collectible ruse or you know whatever so i think that's a fairly like clear, you know, 
line for for how we're going to be trans like you know not transitioning but expanding from our core community who are the people here now who are basically founders too and you know if if anybody is playing in the runeverse alpha you'll see that if you finish your if you complete your alpha battle pass you actually get the title founder and that's you're never going to get like there's a lot of things in alpha game that you're not going to get when the game comes out it's just alpha exclusive so that's like one of the main rewards we really do recognize our community now as as founders as well like our co-founders that's awesome i think you know that's gaming has always had that idea that a lot of people don't like the companies that are making the games because of how much they profit off of their users so obviously the yeah the better it is. yeah i mean like where would the gaming industry be without all of the players and all of the people who are you know building within those game universes i'm a huge believer in in uh making sure that we're inspiring and stimulating uh, whoever's in our virtual environment to be able to like not only connect with their characters and care for their characters, but also create their own little like empire world within it. So like, that's like, that's my part in Runiverse. That's a cool take. I like that. Did you, have a personal or even professional history in gaming before Runiverse or has it been like that new kind of discovery by entering it with the Ruse? Um, I'm super, super obsessed with games, especially MMORPGs because I ha- always have an emotional connection with whatever I'm playing. And so anything with a really rich world or a super cool economy, anything that I can like build a life in on top of the efforts that I put in to be competitive, to be social and stuff. Like, that's the one. And I think that social features is something that more games in Web3 need to, or more games building on Web3 need to address. Like, I mean, 90% of players are social players right now. I'm not saying hardcore gamers. I'm saying, like, in general, social players are a huge thing. And we saw that boom happen with Facebook gaming. And now, you know, with every single mobile app, there are you have to have social features in order to, you know, do very, very well. So that for me was one of the main things that made me so addicted to playing games growing up. Professionally, I haven't built a game, but I have worked with a lot of IPs that expanded into games so there's a lot of creative production involved for me and everything apart from that is me designing um, elements or mechanics for Runiverse and making it a collaborative process with James and James, who of course are, have been in gaming, have been game making for like 20 years. Uh, I mean, outside of that, we also have other professionals like say a Navic who are making sure that our economy is balanced and well-rounded. We have, you know, JPEG Maxi who's making sure that there's absolutely no pontonomics involved in Runiverse because he hates that shit. Um, and we just want to make, make Runiverse a game that Web 2 and Web 3 players can play together without there being like a huge divide. So it's really... It's really comparable to when you're playing an MMORPG on a free player basis and you're interacting with subscribers. You know, like, that's what we want. Like, it's not pay to win. It's just pay to pay to, to dive deeper 
into the game. Yeah, I like each time I really like it when you talk to people about gaming in Web3 and a lot of them like MMORPGs and a lot of them will bring up like World of Warcraft or RuneScape. It's Absolutely. kind of a classic, yeah. But it's there's such like core components of like all of gaming and they present such a good understanding of like in-game economy. So Yeah. Yeah. RuneScape um <laughs> RuneScape for sure is one that like definitely a lot of people in Web3 really really love and runescape has one of the best examples of a player driven economy way before its time and that's why it was so successful and the depth in runescape you know like going into theory crafting um going into wagering modes like that really made gave the game that flavor that people got so extra addicted to um and that's like the hardcore part of it so when we're building Runiverse, the breadth is very wide. You're able to jump in and enter. The learning curve is not big. But in order to get into the depth part of it, you know, we, we, wanna, we want you guys to consider going into digital collectibles if you're going to start, you know, crafting and creating custom maps and hosting wagering modes, which exists. If you want to interact with Rue Daycare, um, that kind of thing. It's it's a premium layer, I think, and that and that's why Web three comes in. Yeah, the integration makes a lot of sense. I think you always see the other Web three games. I feel like most of them have missed the match, and just like even if you look at the most successful ones, what they always miss is the fact that you need to have it be fun on one hand, and on the other hand, no one actually cares about NFTs. As little as people yeah. like to hear that. The reality is that the word NFT doesn't matter. The tech might, but no one cares that it's an NFT. Yeah, because it's like non-fungible token. Like, why would I want to describe that to gamers? <laughs> I don't even want gamers to read my white paper or deck paper or light paper or whatever I have. I just want them to download the game and play it. So it makes no sense to explain what an NFT is. Like, it's just a, a collectible rule. Like, it's just a rule. It's on-chain. And our inventory like pretty much reflects that right like how accessible it is right now you can go into like playruniverse.com web app uh, which is basically RuCamp. you can make an account with your username and email and then you already have a wallet but we don't say that it's just your inventory and it's on chain yeah that's what it's that's what matters the most it's such a it's, it's a really smart implementation i really like it um you mentioned you also mentioned IP, and I think like right now the the kind of darling child of crypto Twitter is Clanosaurs, and they yes love it. They're they're kind of, they're somewhat similar, not not completely at all, right? But they they have their similarities with the ruse in the sense that you know they're Web three, they're NFTs, they're creating a game, they're a lot of IP. What's uh, how have you? What do you think about them? How have you seen their like rise to like absolute glory? The founders who've also talked about World of Warcraft extensively. Yeah, I think everybody knows I'm like a really big fan of Klanosaurus. I've been talking about them since like April last year or something when they were just posting like a couple of videos of dinos Klanosaurus like running with like nothing it was just it was just so cute it really you know you're right it really resonated with me I think that Klanosaurus has of course you know in agreement with the rest of the space um nailed 
the IP play. And they probably will na- nail the, the casual gaming play as well going in. They've always delivered everything. They've always evoked a, a really cool, you know, emotional quality. They've made people care about those NFTs. And that's that's my thing too. Like I want people to care about the ruse. And I think we've done it well. You know, we've given them personalities, characters. We've given them a context and a world to live in and a relationship with their owners. And I think that Klinosaurus has done that tenfold in a very short amount of time with a very high quality team. Obviously, they're all bonded as well. So they really do fit the mold for like something that's going to be very big or arguably is already very big. So one thing that one thing that inspired me to make the roots the way that they are um, which is have no combat stats attached to them and um, gameplay being custom, sorry, playstyle being customizable through equipable items instead is because when I was playing Axie Infinity, I would get, because you know, remember I told you like I, I form like a little connection with these like characters, even though they're just pictures on the screen. I would get so sad that the floor of Axie Infinity was so thick in the marketplace because there were all these like cute little Axies who had parts that were not like strong and that people didn't want. And I would just sit there and be like scrolling through them like these Axies didn't ask to be born this way, bro. Like, <laughs> and they can't change themselves. It's so sad. And I never wanted that for Runeverse. And that was like one of my biggest inspirations for making the create your own class type of play style. Uh, where you can think of each rule as a loadout and you just change your equipables on them whenever you want. So I feel like Klanosaurus is doing something very like similar or like, you know, headed in this direction when they're when they're talking about their claymakers and stuff, but I'm definitely waiting to hear more about what like more details on that. I think we all are at this point. They're, those claim they've been teasing it way too much, but that's they're really cool, for sure. And so, in that like whole world of IP distribution, you mentioned that you worked in that before, but you also said that like back in 2015, you were working mm-hmm. on other crypto projects. So, how long have you been working in crypto? Did you like do crypto and then back into Web two and then back to Web three or something? How yeah. has your like history in Web three been basically? Yeah. Um, okay, I can do a little a little timeline thing. Uh, I'll start at Comic-Con. I used to work in Comic-Con Southeast Asia. Um, that's when I met my new friends slash associates who then I, I moved on to work with in a creative production company where we would purchase uh, IPs from smaller creators. Uh, if anybody knows Webtoons, you know, a lot of them are from there, you know, like uh, comic writers, um, manga artists etc purchase cool ip from them most of them are in korea or japan or southeast asia and then um hollywood companies would buy them up so that would include marvel and dc where they would take them and develop them into little tv series or cartoons or video games or even books right um so then after that i that was when I met James Chung. That was also when I met JPEG Maxi. Um, and then I decided that I did not want to continue that because I wanted to do something else. So 
uh, I opened up a digital marketing agency um, in Southeast Asia with JPEG Maxi. And then that's that's kind of when um, a lot of crypto projects started popping up. So of course, JPEG being what he is, um, about 10 steps ahead, he would make sure that we were working with crypto companies. So um, I was just on creative direction for a lot of them too. Uh, so that was like my entry into crypto. That was like when I when when I was working on that. That was when I was like learning, uh, you know, the ins and outs, like learning about blockchain technology, you know, what it could be, and learning about the good and the bad of it. Um, not realizing that actually it was just a set of features, which is what I realize now, right? Like developing Runiverse, I realize okay, it's just a set of features that I am applying now to another set of features, which are the Web2 features. So that's why I say Web2 and Web3 are like n- not at all mutually exclusive. It's just they, they can combine. You can pick and choose what you want to include. Um, anyway, and then, yeah, of course, the bubble burst back then, I think it was 2018 or 2019, right at the time where I had also co-founded a music festival that was, this is not like, this is not like super public, inf- I mean, it's public information, but it wasn't in like the press releases or anything. But the festival was one of the first ones in the world that was fully funded by Bitcoin. Um, okay. Yes. Impressive. So I had that festival. I think a few of my friends up in CT would have heard that story. It's a whole ass fucking adventure. So funny. But anyway, that bubble burst. So I stopped. I worked on as an emotional quotient this was like a, as an accidental job as an emotional quotient um mentor or coach with people in the festival industry uh you know that was really fun for a while because i could do my own thing i didn't have partners it was like a very private job and then at some point you know solana emerged and um nfts very much emerged especially um the cases that we could see for gaming and so JPEG Maxi messaged me around the time when I adopted that little white dog. And then he said, you have always wanted to make a game. I will leave my job and be your partner again. And then I was like, okay, let me let me check this out. I hit up James Chung. He's like not at all Web3 person. He's like very traditional, but he was like, you know, I was thinking that I wanted to do the same thing. He had another project in the pipeline called Namu. It was a metaverse project. And so at first we were like, okay, we'll just help each other out. But then eventually he was like, you know what? I'm just going to join Runiverse. Um, And James Chung has been friends with James Finley for like 15 years or something. Like just since they were like, yeah, well, since James Finley was young. Um, And yeah, I think James Chung was kind of like a mentor to James Finley. So he obviously... Uh, had introduced me before and he was like okay so you remember James Finley you know he would absolutely die over this little like doggy looking character and so yeah and then and we got together and then it was a bunch of us just like the the conversation divulged into why web3 gaming at that time or blockchain gaming or play to end games let's just say why play to end games were the way that they were and why they were just like not fun at all we addressed, you know, what all the pioneers were doing and what the games that we're starting off now were going to be doing and what we can do to be not first, but better or best in this. And then 
that's when Runiverse or XP Foundry was established mid 2021. And then we opened up our social channels, opened up to the public, I think quarter three. So just a few months after that. You mentioned like the other gaming and companies in Web3, like Axie and the other, whatever other ones that used to be, well, yeah, exactly. Very much pay to earn and not funding at all. How, like, has you seen it evolve and do you think it's getting better now? Is Yes. Yeah, right? Where, yeah. Are there any examples that you have in mind that you would say like either are really being talked about or under the radar or anything that comes to mind when you think about Web3 gaming that's doing it right? I think one of the main things in a, a market that is moving so much and is so new um, so much fluctuation, so much speculation is the ability to be fluid and adapt and build without any constrictions. So I need to commend like Axie, who like now I know some of their team members, you know, like it's uh, they have they have recognized that they needed to pivot and they did that pivot and they did it fairly early too. So I really think that that was a super cool move. You know, it was not arrogant. It was just like, we need to move in the markets. Like this narrative is dead. It doesn't work anymore. And we need to get, get better at it. And I think that they are going to do well with that. So, you know, with that said, uh, Axie's built a lot of really cool, uh, I, I could say blueprints, you know, such as assault scholarship programs, which now a lot of other games are are taking and building it to be better. Um, I can't say the same for some of the other games that utilize a lot of pontinomics um, in their game economy. Those ones, you know, the crypto winter has completely killed. I mean, if not the crypto winter, then themselves. And the fact that they were, you know, kind of building false hype, but it, it doesn't work with games because gamers just want to play and have fun. And at the end of the day, if you're looking at it, like, you know, with the Pareto Frontier, it, it can't be like work. Because if it's like work, then it's not as fun anymore. And it only applies to a very small group of people who are able to play as work. Like it doesn't apply to, it's not, it doesn't apply to the play to earn narrative, which is basically saying that everybody who plays it, who touches this game is going to win. It doesn't make sense. If I can like bring up an analogy that, that uh, JPEG Maxi always says, he always says, um, if everybody at a poker play, poker table is playing Game Theory Optimum, then nobody's going to win, right? The house is just going to rake in. And that's basically what play to earn is. That makes a lot of sense. I had not really thought about it that way, to be honest. But at the end of the day, I guess... Yeah, there were definitely companies that were here to make money. I think even when you had like that, the JPEG season, a lot of people used the like GameFi hype and everything to generate, uh, you know, big mints and rug if they wanted to. But <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I think there were definitely a lot of games also who they didn't mean to do it. They just were, f they just. Like they just didn't hit the right notes and it was unfortunate for them because I know there were a lot of genuine game builders who were trying to move from Web 2 into Web 3. Um, a lot of indie game companies also. And they just were unable to uh, like correctly pinpoint 
uh, which one would be a, uh, which features would be long lasting to to implement and which one would be um you know just just speculative and and hype and would die soon so i really feel for those people and i hope that they try again but yeah i mean all of the all of the ones that were intentional intentionally bad acting uh are flushed yeah is there anything in particular that you attribute like the success of jambos to in the sense of well, exactly what the other teams might have missed and what they might have not have been able to catch on to that Jambos were able to catch on to? Is there any reason in particular you think that you guys managed to hit that mark and others didn't? I think that... I don't think that we, like, really invented or led any, any one thing in particular, but I think that it was a combination of stuff that we did do right and the stuff that we did do wrong were... Uh, a little bit more forgiving. So I feel like, you know, what I described before, the way that we built a lot of emotional value and um, 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 loyalty from our Web3 community at the very beginning really helped the way that we gamified everything and made sure we paid attention to details um, in the Discord, in the communication, in the language, and in the way that we even speak internally to each other uh, really helped and, and really attributed to to making the ruse, you know, kind of like an iconic character. Um, apart from that, I really have to say it's all been about the people. I think I don't know, but I think we've been we've been lucky to have people in the team who really are passionate and are masters of their own craft. Um, they can run their departments very very well, and they have a very aligned vision of Runiverse. Like everybody down to even like from from the core team members like myself who like created it down to some people in the community who have been here from the very beginning like they can answer the same questions that I can I think that's really really valuable especially in this space where um you have to have people who are representing you and who being your voices and who are sharing your values um who know exactly where we're all headed together and we always say we're headed to Ruhala together. And that's literally the name of the <laughs> universe, like capital city. Um, we've, made it, we've made it fun is the main thing. We've made it really fun for, for team members and for community and for people outside of the community also. Like we're not discriminatory. We never act like we're exclusive or that we are like some sort of elite brand. We're literally just a group of people here for fun. And I think Runiverse is one of the few projects who can count the amount of FUD that we've had on one hand. And by one hand, I mean like one. We have one case of FUD in the Discord. And it's famous because it's the only one. Which was it? I don't remember that. Do you remember? I don't think so. It was just fast. And then he apologized later. And now he's like, oh, oh. he's like our biggest fan. And he's really nice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> It was Fair very, enough. very. It was like right after Min, and then yeah. Now he's, you know, he's he's great to us, and he wants to play the game, wants to stream the game, loves the roost. So I, I feel like we have, we've been very careful about communication too, making sure that we are honoring our our holders and our original community. We never ever want to disrespect them. We want to elevate them. So any sort of big news or communication to come through, I make sure that like they get to know it first. I don't give a I don't give a fuck. If uh, a PR agent or someone says, no, you can't share it to your community, I'm going to find a way 
to tell them and they're going to find a way to respect it and not spread it around and that's exactly what they've done and i think to me that's that's like that's a it's a phenomenon <laughs> how how do you balance kim like getting that privilege to the like old holders but at the same time not necessarily antagonizing the newer ones and the people that come into the game because at, to a certain level you might give and like you might end up giving some people an unfair advantage over others and yeah there's like if you give priority to some people there's going to be that unbalanced right so how do you manage that yeah um we don't give any performative or combat advantages in the game ever um that's not a thing that we do we only give status and uh accessibility i guess to the inner works um it's all very emotional i think it's it's never a it, we're not a pay to win game is what i'm trying to say like it's it's rewarding in a way that is how you feel about yourself that is not to do with like how well you're doing in the game i think that that's like what i can summarize about you know the benefits of being early or being like an og in runeverse and it's something that yeah it's not as it's not attainable by new people like for example you can't just like a new person cannot be cannot get like the value that the origin rules have gotten from the very beginning right like they can get it later if they like acquire one but everything that we've had from the beginning like the journey together all of the events from the start all of the off-chain events in discord um where we like really really bonded um root camp and the exclusive stuff that came out of that also that stuff it's like you only get it if you were really early and if you were like part of the part of the crew from the start and you were like our friends from the start i think it works the same as like everything else in real life you know yeah no that makes a lot of sense i think and especially yeah i think you've said it a lot right but it's the emotional value that comes to people that makes them like they, they're attached yeah. to the ruse they're happy to be part of the team they're happy to be ogs and yeah it, it it's makes not very tangible right? more, it makes people a lot more understanding and open-minded and they really um can see that the team is really trying to make the best decisions um for the game um the reason because of that is because they they the community knows exactly what this product is and knows exactly uh when things are coming because we answer and we live in like a constant state of AMA you can ask any question and you'll get an answer we've had like what two or three AMAs this whole time i think and the information is is just laid out and it's there and i also want to thank like you know the community crew the staff for being so 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 informed we make sure that they're very informed we make sure that they're very um empathetic and kind and patient with anybody new who comes in who has questions or concerns like everything needs to get answered nobody's going to get ghosted nobody's going to nobody's going to get an answer like oh uh go and read there no you're going to get an answer if you have asked a question that's cool that's very cool he's you it's always that moment when you join discord you ask a question someone like bro read the announcement it's like you're right but still yeah yeah i mean if it's a long thing 
if it's a long explanation like if they're like oh how does the economy work then of course okay here's some information but um if it's a, a we can give in like a paragraph or two if it's a conversation that they want to have a discussion we're here for it if i'm not here another team member is there another community crew is there and the crew is super fucking switched on like no joke they they're on it like they know what's up they know exactly what to say they know exactly the tone in which to say it and um they know to follow example of talking jumbo which is the character that runs our discord and our twitter so okay so with like all this time that you've now spent on jumbos what do you think has been like the highest high and maybe the lowest low yeah um let me think highest high oh man that's like so many but me i am sociable online so i want to say the funnest that i have in the discord or with the community is the events when we have like the special occasion events like the fast food jumbos or the bopping pilgrimage which is Butchers our anniversary event or the Rue scouts it's so hectic in the Rue court and it's so funny because we do these like multi-phase mini games right and <laughs> people get really involved in it and there's no like there's no financial incentive to it it's just like fun and funny it's just us like playing in the discord and um grinding passing the time just doing stupid rude stuff you know i think that actually has made me laugh the most like the interactions that go on during those events are hilarious and entertaining and sometimes i post them on my feed and i don't expect like people outside to get it but i feel like some some people kind of like take a look at that and be like yeah that like you guys look like you're having fun like we're not in on the joke but it looks like it's fun <laughs> which is which is one of the biggest compliments, honestly. Um, lowest lows. You know, I don't know if it's a super low low, but I always get stressed out during rounds because I'm not a deck person. I'm not a white paper writing person. You know, that's all like JPEG Maxi. So um, when it comes to rounds, especially during the bear market, uh, sometimes it gets a little bit discouraging, but we, we try not to let it stop us. We try to just say, okay, you know, what's going to make this better? And we have a super cool product manager like Lynn, who's also a community manager to help us make sure that um, things are polished. Uh, like, you know, QA is, is her main thing. So yeah, when it comes to racing, we're, we're in our second round at the moment. Um it's like it's super tiring because it's a time where all of the founders have to align on time zones and you know like I'm traveling quite a bit I'm in a good time zone now like I'm in LA now which is the same time zone as James and James but uh, JPEG Maxi is still back in Southeast Asia so during these rounds we also like we lack a lot of sleep we have a lot of uh discoveries where we say okay now we have to add this and this and this to our data room and our data room is completely stacked it has so much information and it's just like, for me, it's like 360 already, but then we'll find like one day JPEG will be like, okay, hey guys, we need to make this other thing now and put it in a data room. And I'm like, fuck, like I'm so bad at making like presentations and, and things. I can just make 
breeze for artists. That's what I'm good at. So I think, I don't know, like that's the lowest. <laughs> I don't know if that sounds like the lowest low. It sounds quite okay, actually. Um, I think it sounds okay. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> It sounds like it, but on the outside, right? Because I don't think a lot of people have really had the experience of that stress and how much that probably matters to you, especially because if you're not the one who's doing it, you might not have much control over it. So that might be even more stressful yeah. for you. I yeah, think so. I, mean, I think I would be very stressed if I had if I had had a community that was less understanding or less supportive. Because I've been in other discords. Especially recently, I've I've seen other discords. I've spoken to other founders. Oh, since 2021, I've spoken to other founders who have had struggles, you know, with with pressure from the community. Um, and it's not reasonable pressure either. It's like really, really fucked up pressure. It's really like it it got personal for a lot of them. Um, yeah, I I feel like when I put myself in their shoes, I. I don't know. I <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad. I feel like I would be I would feel defeated. I think. So I'm grateful every single day. Every time I get off a call, I feel bad for them, but I'm like shit. I love the Runeverse community. Like they're crazy smart and they're crazy kind. I mean, there's also I think there's one thing that you also need to acknowledge is that you're one of the reasons that you have such a great community, right? So obviously be grateful for it, but at the same time, you, you made that effort, you built it and you've created like art that people can really rally around to like vibe with, which is really cool, right? And Jumbos <laughs> make a lot of sense as something to like come together around. They're cute as fuck, which by the way, <laughs> yeah, they're so cute. <laughs> completely random question, but do you still have the dog that like inspired the, uh, the Jumbos? Um, yeah, like in like he's he's not dead. Okay. Somebody, <laughs> For half a second there. <laughs> no, some somebody took him. Um, oh, I was okay. bad about that for a really long time, actually. I mean, this is personal. I'm happy to share it. Um, I mean, if you don't want to, it's cool. It's okay. Like, I mean, sh a, f a few months, like shortly after we launched the, the Origin Ruse, you know, I, I had well, I didn't have a falling out. Somebody had a falling out with me, and that person was a co-owner of the dog and he took it and I never got to see it again. I fought for it for half a year. Um, he eventually came back and like annoyed us a little bit more. <laughs> he was really annoying. He really, really, it was like a very, like, just not a good person. You know, he tried to attack us on a few fronts and by us, I mean like my group, right? Like JPEG Maxi was heavily, stressed from it um and it was all because everybody knew that I did not want to be I did not want to be malicious because I wanted to to see my dog again I love that dog but I have a lot of dogs um I think like my holders know this I I rescue dogs so I have like four rescue dogs and like one non-rescue dog so that ratio is like funny um but yeah so that was one of the rescue dogs but the, the thing that i the thing that i am happy about is that that dog is now in lives next to a national park even though i don't get to see the dog 
I see like pictures and stuff of it and videos of it. And it's like every day playing with like deers and running around and hiking. Um, the weather's great there. So I know it's living like its best dog life and it doesn't have to be in my house with like multiple other dogs, you know? So I'm kind of happy for the dog. I'm just sad for me because I want to hug that dog. It's really cute. But I have the ruse and the ruse are like a constant reminder of how cute it is because it has the same personality. It's like a little bit aggressive, a little bit stupid or very stupid and just just funny and always baring its teeth. But, you know, now we're going to we're going to have more more species. So uh, I don't know if people know this yet, but ruse is like the entire like species of them and then the jumbo is like this particular breed like this type of it so the other the other breeds that are coming have different like ears and tails and stuff i had no idea about that does that enter as like a new nft collection or is it a separate a separate implementation so the first introduction of them are going to be through experiments uh, which I know have been teased for a long time internally uh, in the Discord. So experiments is going to be the first introduction of the other types of brews, not only jumbos. And then, of course, when the game comes out, uh, they're all going to be there too. So experiments, there's only 1,111 of them. And you do have to have migrated to your Runiverse inventory to be able to play. And you do have to keep your terrible fossils, which you got from your Rookamp crates recently. Um, that's one of the materials needed. So yeah, if anybody is involved in Rookamp, have been playing, have been going on hunts, have opened their packs to find terrible fossils, hang on to them if you want an experiment. And they're cool. The experiments are cool as hell. They're not white anymore. They're like... um. They're like a skeletal, like a skeletal blue, zombie-looking color. Sounds kind of cool. Okay, then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned. So obviously, like, I, I'm, I'm going to go back to the dog for half a second. You mentioned that he inspired you for the for the art, but is there are there any other like inspiring factors for you just yeah. for Jambo as a whole, or maybe? like even a wider spectrum for what you're aiming to do with the game itself. Yeah. I'll talk about the character first. Uh, Yes, the dog inspired the first piece of art that I made. Um, But then when when I'm talking to the game artists, um, character designers, there are references, like, you know, there are references that, have nothing to do with dogs. For example, one of the main references is a picture of an opossum that is screaming. And okay. that is like the primary example, like the primary reference for their the personality. It's just like a picture of like a baby opossum with its mouth like wide open and it looks like it's just like screaming. I think that picture is actually a meme. Um, like somewhere. <laughs> I think that somewhere. actually... That might make sense, yeah. I'm going to try to find that yeah. name. Yeah, I, I can send it to you. I can post it. I'll post it. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, I'll post it right now as I'm talking. Um, so we had other types of inspiration. Uh, we had um, animation references from 
Fall Guys and then from some other Pixar movies where um, the note right underneath it that I wrote for the animators was that their heads are so big that they look like they're going to fall over all the time, but they don't. That was like that one line that, you know, made the animations of the roots the way that they are now. I can really see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, in terms of the IP itself, we have a very clear um, trajectory goal for, for Runiverse. So we're following a very similar um, IP journey to Angry Birds and League of Legends, where we start off as a game and then we branch out into other medias, um, collectible toys are huge for us in the pipeline um so our spin-off games and whatever else comes along you know movie tv show whatever um but we're gonna start off as with game because we think that the fandom or fan culture around such a game will really take it to where it needs to be wait let me post this possum let's go so in the idea of that and then... Go for it. Yeah. I'll check it out. Sorry. So in the... yeah, yeah. <laughs> done. <laughs> in the like whole um idea of the like expanding the IP and going further, you mentioned League of Legends, right? So they made Arcane, right? Was that the show they made? They did. They did make Arcane. So would that be something that you guys would like explore in the future? We would definitely explore. Um, okay. We obviously don't. We don't have a set thing like we want a TV show or a movie, but we we know where we're going, and it's because of my history, my work history. Um, you know where I come from, and also James Chung, who is who owns quite a few very owns the rights to quite a few very um, prominent uh, like gaming IPs. Uh, so we kind of have a specialty there as well, but it is a long road. Like it's definitely a long journey to get there. And we want to make sure that every phase, you know, every product that we release is it's fun and it's stable first. So that's like the main thing for us. But the ones the one that's coming up right after the game is toys. Like that's that's big and we're in talks with a few super cool collectible brands, you know, like household names that are interested in producing Ruse, not because we're like big or anything, but because the characters are just like it. Like they're like, they're kind of Yeah, I get that. They kind of look iconic, right? You know, one of the best yeah, yeah, one of the best compliments I received from somebody in the space uh was them saying that the they look at Runiverse and they recognize it but then it's fresh. Like it, like they look at it and they recognize it emotionally. They're like, oh, I've seen this before, but I haven't, you know? Like yeah, that's the kind of kind vibe, of vibe that. that, yeah, that's the kind of vibe that you feel with like, with like Disney IPs, which is super cool. So I really like that. Anyway, that's the possum on top if you guys want to look at it. And um, that's like the, the pinned, the pinned reference for the ruse, a leak. Um, yeah, I mean, other IPs that we have, because Runiverse is such a hybrid game and IP that um, it just has so many, it's a combination of so many different um, other brands in it. You know, we have elements um, both mechanic-wise and uh, aesthetic-wise from, say, like like Borderlands uh, and Happy Tree Friends, 
is a huge one that we get compared to all the time. It is definitely part of the part of the um, inspiration roster. Uh, Fall Guys is a big one. Um, Angry Birds, I've already mentioned. You know, uh, Zuba, a mobile game. Love them too. They've nailed a lot of things, IP wise and mechanic wise. Um, what else is there? Yeah, that's that's like a that's like a a page in the deck that has a list of these IPs. Um, but yeah, I think those are the main ones, the most recognizable ones. Yeah, I think you just going back to the toy. I think that idea is great. I mean, you obviously don't need me to tell you that, but just because yeah. the image is so good to make into a toy, just like you could probably do that on its own and it would probably work anyways. Yeah. yeah. So it's such yeah, a cool factor. So it's like, it works for like non-gamers, but it'll work for the gamers too. There are going to be parents buying this for their kids, knowing abs- having absolutely no idea that they're like violent in a video exactly. game. Exactly. Like... Exactly. You know, we're going to get boycotted for, for being uh, promoting violence. I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be It does be really get a little funny. bit bloody. Like it does <laughs> get a little bit bloody in Rune of Earth. It's not like, it's not like an IP for babies. But, Can you imagine you know, a kid having that toy and then launching a video game one day and they're like, wait a fucking minute, <laughs> it's yeah, the I same one. I, yeah, you know, like that would be so <laughs> funny. Um, but I think they won't be shocked. It's like the only violence in it is like blood, like a blood spatter type of thing. There's no gore like Happy Tree Friends, you know, like I have, a, I actually get pretty detailed when directing, you know, the amount of violence uh, or the the level of crude humor that um, exists in Runeverse. You know what type of words, what type of language, um, uh, what what you can see. And one of the most interesting things is, you know, when you when we're working with the artists, the the bar that we use for deciding if an animation or um, or a uh, weapon effect is too gory is if you if you change the color of it from red to something else, does it still look gory? If it doesn't, like if I change the butt spatter to like blue, it doesn't look gross. So then that's okay. But if it's like a body part falling off and we changed the, the color of it to another thing and it still looks kind of gross, then that's kind of where we have to draw the line. Then that's a no. Can't include that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. That sounds like a really cool like trick to get that right. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, that's that's what we do. That's what we do. But um, the alpha version that's not that's not no dismemberment or anything that violent yet. It's just blood, so we're we're good for now. No worries. Uh, fair enough. I, I I can see that trick working really. Has there ever been a time where you use that trick and either changing the color makes it look a lot fucking worse, or yeah. something? Like, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah, I mean, don't like don't change it to white, right? So that's the rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, and so yeah, I think beyond that, because we were talking about inspiration, but the uh, the other side of the kind of spectrum is there like, what do you think Jambo really like aspires to be in terms of like maybe in five, ten years, like really long term is it really all about that ip play and having the whole array of different things the different games all of that yeah definitely it is exactly as you said we would have already 
already at least the main game with the expansions in. So the expansions include the uh, theory crafting economy or just the crafting economy in general. Um, and the second expansion is the UGC, which is a custom maps uh, that has the creator and curator's incent- aligned incentives, which is where you can basically earn as a c- creator or a curator. Um, so that's that's kind of like where our to earn narrative shifted to. It's more in the create creation and curation side of the game. So that's the second expansion, and then um, it's the toys. So then it has to be the full game with expansions in and the collectible toys. Um, I think that would be a a realistic goal for us because we do want to make sure that the game is uh, extensive and like the IP is able to be like it's it's deep enough to be able to like expand to other things. But I don't know. I think I think for five years that's like our main. Might have to align with James and James about this because I know that like James, James and JPEG are like, okay, no, we can do more. Like we can have another spin-off. We can have, you know, like another casual game. Yeah. I I'm just a little bit more of like a pessimist when setting goals, which is I'm not sure it's a good thing or not. You need to manage expectations. There needs to be someone that does it, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm huge with managing expectations. <laughs> I think that's what we got how we got this far too. How we got this far with this like maintaining this positive sentiment all around was managing expectations <laughs> it's a necessary you need to do it if you, otherwise you go all over the place and it's like fuck i know you, you get i get a little bit baffled i get a little bit baffled when i see when I, other founders hit me up and they say oh uh i can't do this or i can't do that or i must do this or that because the community expects it and i'm like well that's you know, you did that, didn't you? You did that. That's the funniest <laughs> line because the community expected it. Some people would take that so badly. Like, but you're supposed to listen to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I the, you're supposed to listen. It's true. You're supposed to listen to the community. But like when it's a million voices coming at you saying all these different things, you need to be able to manage that and you need to be able to not manage them, but be able to communicate um, graciously, you know, what we're going to all be expecting here together. The Runiverse community knows that we listen to, like, we take every single suggestion that they say and we make sure that we thank them for it too. Because if they're giving it, it means they give a fuck. But That's true. They can't be out of line about it, right? And that, that yeah. hasn't happened in Universe, but it's happened in other discords. It's happened when founders call me and show me screenshots or say, please read this channel. Like, this is what they're saying to me. And I'm just like, that's because you didn't manage expectations. You just went and said anything, didn't you? You just went and bleh. It's like word vomit. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> and so I think just you mentioned the whole like creation side of things and curation. So I was going to say, have you seen the recent Fortnite announcement where they're like whole Absolutely. creative 2.0 thing? Yeah. Uh, what's your take on that? Let's fucking go. Yeah, Love okay. it. You know, that's, you know, we're headed in the right direction, obviously. Yeah. Um, this, this is great for us. This is great for um, creator earns or create and earns or whatever. Um, not great for 
you know, um, open, I mean, sorry, not great for just um, canvas metaverse projects, which I vocally don't like. I don't like canvas open metaverse projects, like the ones that they're just like, hey, here's an empty space with no stimuli or inspiration or any sort of world for you to immerse yourself in before your creative juices start flowing. Um, those ones will have a much lower volume of users because it's only the most creative of creative who's going to be building in there. Um, the other, the other ones where they've already fed us like a very rich world or very rich lore, very cool characters like Fortnite are going to do well because now people want to create. Now a lot of people are inspired, you know. So it's it's just important to make that distinction, I think. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like off another topic of other games that are similar in a certain way, if you look at, well, the biggest probably game room game like expansion in crypto right now it's the whole other side thing and i don't feel like they've given out that much information but they have done like all the sewer passes they're very interesting yeah. game let's say mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. what's your take on that is it important in terms of like the future of nfts and gaming because a lot of people will drop the if yuga labs fail nfts fail and all of that stuff how do you like what importance do you associate to it and what do you think of what they've done so far i think what they've done so far is fucking cool um they are a brand play they've decided to bring in gamification and they've decided to put a value on it like everybody on there is yeah okay they're playing to pump their bags but they're playing for status and um now it's what they've done single-handedly is like put uh, gaming NFTs on the map. Maybe in a way that a lot of people don't agree with, but like they did it. Like it's famous. It's it's outside of Web three the the word or the news or whatever. Um, so I think that they've made people be able to see. Look, like look at these like passes or whatever that has accrued so much value and been sold for this much um it's yeah it's made headlines which is what i think i haven't played it i've watched plenty of content creators stream it um and had a lot of fun on it because it's an entertaining and interesting and addictive game so for me the only question is that is that it's it's made it to the mainstream, which is a good starting point. And not everybody is going to nail that, right? I mean, Axie didn't nail that when they made it as, you know, one of the first blockchain games, whatever, like that's the most famous blockchain game. They didn't do everything right either, but they put eyes on us, man. Yeah, fair enough. I think it was really cool. They got, they had like some high tier professional players playing that game, obviously to pump people's bags, but that was impressive. Yeah, I mean it's it's a wave, and it's a wave yeah. that worked with the, works for us like media wise. So cool. Uh, for fucking sure. Um, off to another completely different topic. You were talking about the whole like time zone things when we were talking about seed rounds, and I yeah. kind of wanted to bounce off of that because you mentioned you were in LA. How was NFTLA? I couldn't make it. So funny. It was cold. 
and I got sick. Kind of. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get the the uh, COVID pope like everybody else. Oh, yeah. That's that. true. Um, which also happened with me in NFT NYC. I also didn't get the COVID pope that I missed out. Um, but I did get like a little like my throat, you know, ow type of thing. Um, but the it was really fun. It was super cool to see the communities that did their events do so well. Um, I went to Bonk, I went to Pengulov, and then I went to Eden's birthday, uh, the D-Labs, D- D-Gods, I don't know what they're identifying as now. Yeah. I got really fucked up there. Fun. And then the next day was Kleinosaurus, which I think was the one that everybody was like really looking forward to. So that was at the breakfast club. The line was so long and that one was really fun and a a great quality event. Um, The next day was Liberty square, another great one. And they, they worked with my friends from bored and hungry. Um, So of course the food there was great. They were in the barracks and they had sponsorship from a few other brands. I think Wolf Capital was one of them. Bitcoin bandits was another one of them. So I think that one was a very, like, for the culture type of event. Um, it was good. And then I think the last one was, like, monkey, like the Monkey Dow one. And that was, like, a really cute little mixer. But at, by that point, I was I was going to pass out. Fair enough. They get tiring, right? Because you have to chain those, like, every night and every afternoon. Yeah. There's, I think it was the least tiring one that I've been to, though, even though I got really oh, yeah. physically dead um it was definitely the least like stressful in terms of schedules because you know nft nyc is coming up mid-april and that one that one kills me because um of just how tight the schedule is and how far everything is from each other uh yeah so i'm like excited but not looking forward to my legs falling off oh i also went to gdc i think that's one that i definitely need to highlight so that happened at the same time as NFT LA. So after Monkey Dow, the day after, I flew over to San Francisco for GDC. And I did all of the things that I was meant to do there, which is basically do all of the VC meetups, the networking, the mixes, um, get more leads for the round. So that was all done in one day, whereas it should have been done over the week. But, you know, NFT LA was a social thing. Yeah. That must have been intense. (laughs) But GDC was really buzzing. Like, it was so busy. It was so crowded everywhere. I, I know Magic Eden had a party with Aurori, Gino Pets, and Astra. Uh, sorry, Astra. I say yeah. Astra because he's in the audience. I meant Astra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Magic Eden had that event. It was so busy. Um, and it was cool. It was cool to meet like everybody um, again. And it was cool to see a lot of non-Web3 companies there that were just like checking it out, you know? Okay, fair enough. What's your favorite NFT event up till now? Um, I'm going to say the one I had the most fun at was Breakpoint, but I think that might've been because I met for the first time someone like my best friends like that's a fair reason (laughs) 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 i flew that last minute too um and one of the parties there 
was like the best NFT project event that was thrown, and it was the Boogles event. Yeah. In that like there. palace thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I made it there. I made it there. It was awesome. Did I meet you? Place. I met you, right? I was like really drunk. I don't, did we? I don't think so. I don't, think I don't so. know. I met so many people. That was the one it's that true. had the it most. Was stacked. I, I met like a hundred people who came to say hi to me. And yeah. I was like, what? That's crazy. So no, that, that was one great. was really, really fun. Also, it was like my friend's birthdays. So many funny adventures. Um, Productivity-wise, not productive. Absolutely not productive. Um, got very little work done. But yeah, I think that's my favorite one, just vibes-wise. It was like... It was like, yeah, that's my crew. Yeah. I mean, the Google event was on another level. Ceylon organized it, and it was just like, dude, you got this place together, and you brought it together, and it was just like, I mean, I loved it. It was Honestly, it was almost intimidating for me. It was my first like IRL event, and you enter this place, and you look at people, and you're like, I recognize the Google in your jacket, and I don't know if I should even like step close to you. <laughs> and then it was like so <laughs> packed and everything, and but the people were super nice, so... Yeah. yeah, definitely a great memory, for sure. Yeah, I like that. That's that's my top one best NFT single event, I would say. I think I saw Toshi there, too. <laughs> I think yeah. so, anyways. Yeah, there were so many. Like, we could probably list, like, the top, some of the most known people in, in like, saw NFTs and be like, yeah, they, they were there, they were there, they were there. This person, oh, this yeah. person wasn't, no, the next one was. Um, but anyways, so Astro was like, there too. Oh actually. shit! <laughs> he arrived when I was like very drunk, but I remember nice. him like sitting at my table. Shout out to Astro though for like the art. By the way, that was really nice exactly. For, let's 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 scroll back from the opossum to the fuck yeah. Thing. I was actually I was going to ask for the because you're like talking about all the traveling. Otherwise, you're based in Southeast Asia. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Is there like a reason for that? Because you like have spent most of your life there, or does it fit well with Web three? Have you ever considered going to a place that's either it's more crypto friendly? Um, I don't. I'm like I'm Thai, so I just moved back there basically. Um, I, I mean, I grew up most of my life in Australia, and then I was gonna move to LA because of that job. And then I didn't. So then I'm just, I just like built a house in Thailand and I just kind of like use it as my base. Also because my dogs are there. All my dogs are there. Um, crypto wise, it's actually got like a really, really high volume of crypto people there. Yeah. Okay. Like very, so- it's a lot. Cause of most, like the reason that I did get onboarded into crypto in 2015 was because all of my friends there, were crypto people and it was like 50 to 100 of us and that's why the festival was like full, like funded by bitcoin because everybody was just like crypto also a lot of crypto people or just people who work you know in tech have not only retired in bangkok but all over phuket there's a big volume of them on Panyang island which is famously where Fubun party is um yeah, I feel like it's it's surprising for people who are outside of the Thailand social circle to know that 
there's a really, really big crypto community there. Most of it is expats, but there's a lot of locals too. So I'm just there. I'm, I'm actually there because of the food. Like, I am obsessed with food and Bangkok just does every cuisine very, very well. And I mean every cuisine because, you know, a lot of really amazing uh, top chefs from a lot of countries moved there so that they could open places in Bangkok. Yeah, for sure. I think it's true. People don't really like see how much of a Southeast Asian community there is, but there are like a lot of people that are like, I, I think the biggest example that comes to mind is Jemmy from Monkey Dao. It's like he's in Singapore. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, had, I saw him last week at GDC. Um, somebody introduced us to each other and we were like talking and introducing ourselves and talking about like gaming for like 10 minutes until he looked at my phone and he goes wait are you melty and I'm like yeah oh my god and then he's just like I'm Jemmy I'm like what the fuck it was so funny and then we had, we had a hot pot the day after and Jemmy is super nice I, I met him in breakpoint and like top 10 people to me honestly yeah very really funny good. Very funny. Me, yeah, yeah he, he, he likes to go out on a bit of a rager too. He went out with uh, Carlos from Elixir Launcher. Um, heard they had a pretty good time and they've been partying together a few times. So uh, <laughs> that was pretty funny. I didn't join yeah, that because I went to like a girl's night out, which also was fucked. But yeah. Nice. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I think... Jemmy was like the moment I met him and I, I think I knew it was him because he had the monkey on his jacket and I heard him talk and I was like bro you're from Singapore like I'm sure about this and because yeah. you, know, you have like, like typical Singaporean accent which is really cool yeah Southeast Asia is awesome I had a lot of fun there yeah I love that um I have to hop soon I have lunch I have to take I have to take John Lee to eat burgers in Long Beach it's a while oh. out. If you so can better... tell John Lee to check his DMs, I'll appreciate it a lot. <laughs> okay. <Cool. No. laughs> Anyone else want to pass on that? Dude, I had, I had like um, maybe three or four people message me earlier to be like, can you tell John Lee this? Can you tell John Lee this? I'm like, okay. Oh my God. I will. Yeah. Don't, don't involve me in that. It's all good. Like, <laughs> the guy's super busy anyways. But enjoy the lunch because John Lee, I, like, I spoke to him 15 minutes in Breakpoint as well. Todd, like he's such a genuine person it's insane yeah i don't know how he does it but he has, yeah. he has definitely grown on me in the past year or whatever yeah guys so nice but anyways i think well did you have like some time to kind of close it off yeah okay of awesome i think like one question i like asking is really just the like you personally what do you aspire to do? Like, what's the, like, game plan in terms of not only, like, Jambos, but what do you want to, like, leave either in this space or in the world or, like, really, like, the big scope of things, purpose, legacy, whichever road you want to go down, whichever term you want to use? My life goal is always to put out a, a world, a fictional world that lots of people enjoy. Like, my idol is, you know, um, George Lucas. I'm obsessed with Star Wars. I love every single thing to do with um, the way that people come together to create 
like dreams and stories and shit within a world and then like expanded by themselves like that shit has always fascinated me since I was young and that's what I work towards every single day so that's my goal for universe that's my goal for myself it doesn't have to be one world it can be many but it needs to be cool and um inspiring I think that's a I think it's a great way to end it on the it needs to be cool. It needs to be cool. Like it I don't know what cool. to do I don't know what other words to describe. That makes a lot of sense. No, I like that. The whole world building thing is awesome. When you like create yeah. a whole universe, it's having the talent and ability to do that is it just blows my mind and like yeah. Uh, maybe it's like a god complex thing you know like you want to be a god you want to make this world and then have other people come in and live in it and then like build outwards from it put it put that way you kind of do enter the whole like creative power like side of things but hey i don't know i think one movie that people always talk about like it's it's huge right inception i still really like it because of the whole like I would love to be able to have that kind of creative power to like just make things from your imagination and not need to have the talent to either like put the pen to paper or like start coding something or 3D design something. It's just like if you could just put it from your imagination, it would be yeah. so awesome. Yeah, I yeah the architect right yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, I yeah before I go, I will share one thing. I mean I've shared it a few times, but I work in my sleep. Like, I lucid dream every single night. Oh, so a lot of the shit that I have created for Runaverse or for, you know, my festival or whatever the fuck I've made is done in my sleep. And then I would wake up and then, like, do the brief for it. So it all happens in there. And so I can go through a lot of iterations. I can um, create a lot of details in, like, lands and buildings and characters and, and feelings um, and so, yeah, that's like one of my main modes of work is doing it in my sleep. And that's why I look like a fucking zombie all the time because I'm literally like sleepy. I'm tired. That sounds like such a cheat code. It's like it I sleep <laughs> and I'm doing all of it at the same time. Multitasking at its finest. Yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I'm like, I'm, I have to make this like mood board type of thing. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to do it while I'm sleeping. And then I'll like write it down and I, I'll start like compiling it and materializing it when I wake up. And it, it kind of works. It's pretty cool. I mean, I take advantage of it for fucking sure. Okay. Well, on that note, uh, let's close off the space. You can go enjoy that lunch with the John Lee. Um, I like to just like have a moment where you can shout anything out, you know, the ruse, um, world building, literally whatever the fuck you want to shout out. So go for it. I want to say thank you. And also um, check out the little rue that Astra has made. And also Astra, Anima, his game is minting, I think. Is that the word? Yes. Soon. So please, this is one of one of the longest lasting indie game builders in this space and it's because he's been taking it at a good pace and he hasn't been you know getting involved with all the bullshit which is what happens with a lot of other um games or projects and i think this is a really cool example to look at it's awesome also 
Hi, Toshi and Pinag and Johnny Salami, who just came in, and Crypto Frenetico and Anime and Ruket um, and everybody else. But I just caught out the people that are in Runiverse that awesome. I know that I know of. And Speedu and Spidu, Speedu. I don't know. Yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, on that note, like, thanks a lot for being here. It was really awesome. Um, next podcast is on Thursday with who is it with again? I don't know. I'll announce, I'll announce it later tonight. <laughs> oh my the God. schedule is full. <laughs> I think I have a whole thing for the whole week, and it's like, damn it. But yeah, <laughs> I'm great. I'm gonna find it before I leave. <laughs> Otherwise, I sound like a massive idiot. But yeah, thanks everyone for joining. Um, thank you, Toshi, especially because well. You were here a while back and it was really nice. Yeah, it's Jocko, 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 and Toli is coming on, on Thursday. Um, thanks, nice. Mike, for being here. And yeah, thanks everyone for joining. More podcasts like this, like twice a week. Thanks a lot, everyone, for joining. And I'll see you on next episode. Thanks, Melty. Thanks for hosting. Bye. Thank you.